Welcome to the Industry Insider, brought to you by PromoCoin. Each week, promotional product professionals Meg Erber, Jeff Franklin, and Stephen McFadden, along with special guests, will discuss industry news, trends, and events with a focus on educating the promotional products industry. The Industry Insider, the nerdy news you need to know. Welcome back to yet another exciting episode of the promotional uh, the Industry Insider, your promotional products podcast where you can get all the nerdy news you need to know about. My name is Jeff Franklin, National Accounts Manager with Headwear USA, joined today by my co-hosts and no special guest today. But of course, before we get to our co-hosts to find out how we're doing, i tell you about our fine sponsors, uh, Bell Promo. Uh, Bell Promo is the home of the 12-piece minimum on everything. They offer simplified pricing. One low setup and never repeat setups, regardless of the number of colors, locations, or decoration method. Bell Promo is the largest inventory of product styles and colors and in top categories like drinkware, bags, writing instruments, and apparel. Um, Bell Promo offers free samples and was one of the 2023 best places to work. Be the reason someone smiles today and check them out at bellpromo.com and uh, tell them the industry insider sent you. Why don't we say hello to Meg's cat. Meg's cat, how are you doing today? She is getting spayed tomorrow, so she doesn't even know the, the what she's in for. <laughs> Living her best life today. Tomorrow's another story. Yeah. Uh, Stephen McFadden, how are you doing? Great. I'm not getting spayed or neutered tomorrow, so. Well, it's a good thing you're not getting spayed. I mean, that's, yeah, that is true. A good thing. So, I actually, when I looked up at Meg's screen and I saw the cat moving across, it was just in a way where I thought that bottom left-hand corner of her screen was like a television, and so I couldn't quite tell what was happening and then i was like yes coming out of the television um, so i'm glad everyone's okay and we're not being attacked by uh by cats poltergeist cats or something like that. <laughs> yeah so as you can see if you guys are watching this is a pre-recorded episode and meg you're you're fresh back from the uh from the hose of sorry from the airport and uh so you got to, you got to see your daughter uh you know before she went to camp right I did. It was a hard day yesterday. It was a really hard day. I think it just it just brought back a lot of memories from when I was in the Navy and she was, I don't want to cry, but um, she was four months old and she fell asleep on my chest at the airport when I had to leave for deployment. So, I mean, I was just, I was crying all day and I don't, and I was, it didn't make sense. Like I'm not sad for her. I'm, I was sad for me because it, it was like a lifetime ago, but it, I blinked. So everyone out there with small children, uh, you guys just don't know how quick it goes. It really does. I know you feel like you're, you're just surviving, but man, breathe it all in because the next thing you know, it's over and they don't need you anymore. And it's, it's hard. It's really hard. So yesterday was, was very emotional. So thank you for asking though. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine. I mean, the last five years, uh, have, <laughs> on by with uh with mine i've got a five and a four year old and uh actually last night we just did uh, kindergarten graduation so <laughs> oh you did uh, yeah oh yeah. so Aww. just the audio as meg wasn't saying that i was rude she's saying her cat was rude yeah. but... <laughs> all right well i was we... calling you rude for the record so we didn't have any special guests and i like to think that we're pretty special so we're all, we're all very special in our own little way. Uh, that's for sure. Um, so I tell you what, since we don't have a special guest, Meg, I don't think we've done this with you yet. Yes, uh, you have. Did we do it with you? <laughs> yes. Even yeah. we did it with you too, didn't we? Yeah. So Jeff, tell us a little bit about how you got into the industry and what you've been yeah. up to. 
Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> all right. So I got started in the industry in the uh, mid to late 2000s. Uh, it was actually not in the industry. And my brother-in-law owns a distributor, uh, a distributor company. And uh, so basically he and my sister were uh, somewhat trying to recruit me to come work with them. And uh, just it didn't I couldn't make sense of it. I didn't know what the industry was. I was like, you know, uh, what are you selling? You know, it's just like pyramid scheme or like whatever, you know, I, I had no clue. And uh, so ultimately uh, it came down to them saying, Hey, like, you know, you're 21, like take this free trip out to Vegas for PPA expo. And uh, you know, under one condition, you just go to the education sessions and you walk the show floor and the rest of it's just uh, free time and fun. And, you know, it's a free trip to Vegas if, uh, if you decide not to, to join. So uh, I was like, all right, screw it. What the hell? Uh, so went to Vegas, did the education sessions. And within, within the first, like, you know, I don't know, five seconds, I pretty much knew that it's kind of something that I wanted to do. Um, and so worked there for five years doing distributor sales. And again, this was sort of mid to late 2000s. I want to say 2007 or 2008. And uh, so it's great, great time to start as a brand new distributor salesperson. Um, so, yeah, uh, did fairly well. It took a year or two to really get up to speed, but uh, was doing pretty decent and then uh, got out of the industry uh, after about five years for a very short period of time until I realized that you can't really leave the industry. Nope. <laughs> and uh, so I reached out to Headwear. Um, the uh, president at the time uh, was Tony Karlacek, who I had a good relationship with as a, as a, um, as a supplier of mine mm -hmm. when I was working with Blue Chip. And uh, basically just told him, you know, I was looking to get back into the industry and, uh, you know, wanted to maybe give the supplier side a try. And uh, so they created a position for me and it expanded from there, went to, you know, from local regional sales to, you know, doing a couple of nationals. And then I took on the entire Southeast territory on top of nationals and that's being pulled back, but I'm focusing a lot more on the nationals now. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much my story in the industry. Jeff, when did you leave Blue Chip? Because I used to call on them when I was at Jetline, but I must have like just uh, missed you or like you were at a different, oh, that's crazy. I didn't know. I think so I when I met you, you were with Pop. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I think I remember meeting you in Vegas and you were working the Pop booth with okay. your crazy ass socks. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's move on. So anyway. that was before Jetline, right? <laughs> Uh, no, Jetline was way before that. I was at Jetline way before that. Yeah. Okay. So that pop yeah. was after. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I, it would have been, I was there for five years. So it would have been like, I think 2012 was when I left Blue Chip. Yeah. I must have, I must have missed you somehow. I left Jetline in 14. So I must have missed you. That's crazy. Gotcha. Our paths were destined to cross then, bestie. So. <laughs> yeah. You know it. You know it. Yeah. That's my story. Uh, I think that was under four minutes. Yeah. Uh, oh, maybe. <laughs> Well, let's all get right. started. Let's talk about, you know, how we all see the current state of the promotional product industry in the form of what we're seeing in relevant marketing strategies. Like what significant changes have you guys seen over the last few years? Because we all know COVID really pivoted this industry um, into digital marketing more so because we were all stuck at home besides the kidding and all this stuff. So what are some of the things that you guys have seen change over the last few years? I'd, I'd really like to see your um, hear your perspective on that. So, you know, it's, it is an interesting dilemma because leading up to COVID, we, I think everyone was already pushing to, to do a lot of social, doing a lot of digital. Um, 
I actually think that kind of the reverse happened in promo where when we went into COVID periods, we went back to what we were really good at, which was physical things, uh, because those had to be direct mailed as it is anyways. Um, so as far as what people were doing more and what I think was more successful, probably a little bit different questions and different answers. So I think dur during COVID specifically doing physical goods was actually the most successful thing we could, we could have been doing. Uh, because people had basically abandoned that uh, for for a couple of years, um, but you know we're we're a year plus removed from a lot of that, and so seeing kind of what's stuck and what we're doing to stay relevant and what we've changed marketing wise, you know we we put a we've put a, uh, an emphasis on marketing and what that means in our own company. Um, tried it out internally for a year and then now uh, we're, we've kind of moved into using some services to help us with that and it's a really important piece um, we use marketing like a lot of companies do it's not necessarily our go-to-market and it's or you know do we require it to show sales you know like it doesn't have to necessarily equal use do this amount of social posts then you get this amount of sales but we know that it's a resume like it's how people go and research us before we walk in the door. It's how people might have seen us or heard of us or, well, once we meet them, they then go and check it. Right. So they want to make sure we're not just somebody off the street. Right. We've we've been doing this for a bit. Um, we have some history. We have some client success stories. We fit their kind of, um, you know, their attitude and their approach to marketing. And so we have to make sure that we understand who our clients are first and what we want that to look like from a social setting, email blast, blogs, and so, so forth. So that was long-winded, but <laughs> that's that's how we've been approaching it kind of over the last three years and into today, where it's how we use it. You know, We use it really as a sales tool, not uh, a sales supporting tool, not the sales strategy, right? So I don't know, how, how about from the supplier side, is it, similar different what would you say do you want to go jeff or okay so i mean i'm not in marketing i'm only in sales obviously so my marketing comes from my own personal brand like i um i'm out there selling myself my personality my you know people buy from sns because they they the, the relationship that i have with them you know and i think you have to be able to go out there and and brand yourself um Gosh, I had a whole bunch to say and then it all just went out the window. But yeah, so social media takes a big part of that. I think like when COVID hit, you know, we all we did this podcast and it was only uh, was digital, not, not digital. It was over the uh, Spotify and, and stuff like audio that. Only. Audio. Thank you. There's my word. Um, it was audio only. And we were sitting there one day and we're like, man, nobody's going to be in their cars listening to us. Like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just go live. And, and that was so much fun. And that was like the changing point for us. I think it was like the turning point. Um, people were tuning in to find out what was actually going on in the industry because we weren't out seeing each other. Um, so in doing that, we were able to market ourselves as podcast. Um, and this has opened up so many doors. And I think it's really important to to keep marketing and stay marketing you shouldn't some, that's not something that you should pull back when when things get tight because when things get tight you got to be putting yourself out there and and making yourself making yourself comfortable in uncomfortable uncomfortable situations um, in order to grow I think that's a whole learning curve and doing that but as far as SNS we've got a brilliant I mean brilliant marketing team um, 
uh, for instance, some of the things that they do, I have this thing right here. I was going to look it up and, and get more talking points on it. But we send out like these mailers, these, these kits, these summer trend kits, along with um, digital collateral that is end user friendly that can be sent on to the end users. Um, and it's meant to be used to, or there's case studies in here, there's products, um, and they decorate everything. So when you're getting a shirt and it's not decorated, you're like, all right, that's really cool. It's fine. I, I like that. I'll wear it. Um, but if you get something in the mail and it's decorated, it kind of gives you some inspiration. When you're looking at different decoration techniques, different decoration methods, locations, um, maybe it's just the color, maybe it's the tonal, but it's meant to inspire. Um, and so a lot of that marketing that we've been doing is really to go out and inspire people. So you have that and you have like a whole summer trend guide here. So this is one of the things that we've been doing. Um, and they're constantly evolving. Before it was differently, we would have these full coverage campaigns and we'd pick a style or a few styles and and send them out. But now I think we're trying to to rein it in a little bit and kind of focus and be very strategic and, and who we're sending them to, what we're sending out and how we can kind of provide a full circle. Um, so they have the digital, they have the the touchy-feely stuff, they have it all to be able to kind of pass along and maybe discuss with their customers, do TikTok videos, do Instagram posts. Um, we find that a lot of times when people are posting things on social media, it does come full circle. And and I've said it a thousand times, social media has just humanized us over the last couple of years. Um, for example, one of my very close friends who used to work at Jetline with me, her name is Julie Frisch. Um, I don't think she's on TikTok. However, I was scrolling through TikTok the other day and a distributor had received um, a product from her and was raving about it. And she was like, Julie, this, Starline, that. It was like, wow, that is really awesome to get, to get that. So I was able to then put it on her social media page um, and it just got so much traction. So yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of forms of marketing, but I really think that just it gives you that extra touch and it's something that we cannot get away from. This is the promotional product industry. We have one of the strongest forms of marketing um, and everything that we do else is supplemental. So that's my point of view on it. Jeff, what were you going to say? Um, no, I mean, for, for headwear in general, like I know one of the things that COVID kind of helped us with um, was because our approach has always kind of been more personal. Like we really don't prefer email marketing or a lot of email blasts. We want to get on the phone with people and actually have conversations because I think there's a lot to be had when it comes to having those conversations about what some of the differentiators are um, and creating that personal touch. So the fact that, uh, you know, because COVID happened, you know, nobody was going into the offices anymore. So everybody was just email blasting. Right. Mm. And so, you know, all of that stuff was just getting deleted. So it actually helped us because we were getting on the phone with them. So we were actually getting through more than we would have otherwise. Okay. Um, so as far as, uh, you know, product and things like that, like during COVID again, I mean, we transitioned to, to face masks. So, um, you know, certainly part of kits and mailers and things like that. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I mean, it was, it's pretty much business as normal now. So let me, let me ask kind of, uh, I guess I got a two-parter here. So when you, both of you offer variety of styles and shapes and sizes and things. Um, Meg, I know you probably have more of a diverse collection, but you both have a lot of different style numbers. So we get asked this a lot from other people's perspective about marketing. Like, do you push a product? Do you push an idea? Do you push a service? Like, what is your lead in? And for us, obviously, we've got million plus SKUs. I don't like doing the push product method because then I'm that type of a vendor, right? it may be different for each supplier, you know, if, you know, Jeff, in your case, 
you are headwear, you would push headwear, right? And Meg, though, what do you push or do you push? Or you know, so what are those different strategies you would use to kind of come after us as distributors, uh, whether it be personally or, or via marketing or personal brands? Yeah. It's really we, a good we, question. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I would just say, I mean, we sell solutions. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's it's one product category, but it is 8% of the industry. Um, you know, so I mean, if you break it down, like if yeah. you didn't just lump all of apparel into apparel uh, and you broke it down into like T-shirts and uh, hoodies and outerwear and, you know, pullovers yeah. and all these other different things, polos, you know, it, I don't know that there's another product category that's as high as headwear um, in, in that sense. Maybe. Um, and if there would be, it would probably be t-shirts, um, say but, that or drinkware, if you had to lump all those together or something, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to look at, you know, that, that pie chart that, uh, PPI puts out, but I know, um, you know, headwear is a very large part of, or a very large category in the industry. Um, you know, so yeah, you're only providing the one solution, but there's, you know, a million different ways to go within that solution. And, you know, since we talked about COVID, you know, one of the things that, uh, that that we had as a big advantage was that everybody was running into stock issues and supply chain and yada, yada, yada. And we were mm -hmm. literally delivering, as long as you're doing 144 pieces, we were delivering directly from the factory to your client's door in two to three weeks on our fast track program. So a huge, huge solution benefit there. Um, you know, so it's it's all about finding the solution. Like, when do you need the product? When, when you know, what's the budget? And we'll find the best solution for you. Do you find since we're, you know, we're about 18 months removed from from, you know, the kind of a lot of that, I would say, do you think that that kind of helped a lot of things stick into current business or new business? You know, now people found you because of you had the solution for it then. Oh, I didn't know you did all this and they just stay with you kind of thing. Is that? Yeah. Kind of, kind of happened? And not, not only that, but I mean, price wise, like, you know, because of air freight and shipping containers and all that, a lot of, uh, oh, a yeah. lot of companies raised their prices during COVID. Uh, you know, one of our biggest competitors is almost twice the price of us. Um, so, you know, it, we dropped our prices. Now that air freight's coming back down, it's still not quite where it was pre-COVID, but it's pretty damn close. Um, you know, so, I mean, we, we've actually been dropping the prices on stuff and having people reissue POs uh, to save them even more money. So they're pocketing more money. Uh, I don't know of anybody else that's doing that. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that, that we're focused on for sure. Meg, what about you guys? Well, I think personally, I think the best way for me is to tell a story, right? People um, we can retain that more when they can listen to a story versus me just shoving product down their throat. And I always go into a meeting and say, I'm not, I'm not here to shove product down your throat. But if I do have one product that I'm going to, it, there will be one, you know? Um, but then it always stands out. And they're like, oh, Meg's really passionate about this product. Um, but I really, I like to focus on inspiring stories, case studies, something that, my customer can relate to, um, especially if I saw something that they were doing on social media, um, and I kind of will correlate the product to their to their lifestyle or whatever their their niche is. Um, Adidas does a great job of that. They actually um, their advertising strategy often focuses also on inspiring stories. They use athletes, content creators, and basically just everyday people. So. They have a campaign. It's called "They're Nothing." I'm sorry, "Impossible is Nothing," and it examples uh, highlighted individuals who have broken barriers and defied the odds, resonating with their audience and reinforcing their brand ethos. This emotional storytelling, sorry, these are my notes, uh, creates the connection with their audience and strengthens their brand loyalty. Um, and Adidas has done such a really good job over the course of the years of of um, 
highlighting sustainability, women in sports, really pushing. Because um, I think with Adidas sponsorships, they wanted to make sure that they were paying the women as much as the men when they were doing these big things. I don't know if that's really happening, but I know that's what they were they were marketing. Um, and this really just demonstrates what Adidas is doing to leverage its brand identity. And I feel like that really resonates with me. I was a big soccer player growing up. I'm an athlete. Um, so when we have brands like Oakley and Adidas, those resonate with me. When I have that customer need that has that same niche, it's so easy to tell that story. So when I get any, you know, when I'm mentoring any new people, I'm like, find something that you're passionate about. People will love that. They will see through bullshit. So don't go up there and just try to sell a bunch of shit or throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. Find something that you're really passionate about. Find something that you love. Find a t-shirt brand or a t-shirt style or something along those lines that you really are passionate about. If it's a sustainability story or if it's a specific athlete, incorporate that into your story. Let that be your go-to-market approach. And I feel like that's really worked for me. And just being authentic. Um, being your true authentic self is the best way to reach people because they can see, they, they'll, they'll see through it otherwise. So let me, let me ask kind of a, uh, a burning question here. And this may be our, this may be oh. how we close. Um, oh. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff mentioned, oh. <laughs> you know, how the industry is, you know, 98% small business and um, 97, right? <laughs> something like that. Now I did look that up and that's based on how the U S looks up the fine small business. I yeah. 12 million, but so that's, that's a lot of big business in our industry that's defined as small business, you know, globally or, or nationally, excuse me, but still there's a lot of companies that are much smaller, which means their customers are smaller. Right. So kind of the big question is how much of these stories and initiatives and stuff really help to drive sales for those smaller businesses. Right. Because at the, at the end of the day, a lot of a lot of those companies want something that's good in their price range and in stock. Right. So there's a ton of effort for the, the highest of levels. Right. For the biggest of orders to, to meet some of these initiatives and to do it. But how does that how do we think that actually helps the small business or does it? You know? I, no, it I would say. Based on the growth that we've seen over the last year in the industry, PPI just put out the largest the largest growing sector or segment of uh, of the business is small small business, the small distributors that have grown. Uh, whereas some of the larger distributors have actually either stayed neutral or even dropped. Uh, so I, I want to be clear. I'm talking about the product, like so Adidas having really good stories and initiatives. Yeah. Does Adidas grow in our industry because of that? And if so, if so, is that because only big businesses are buying into those or is it across the board, we think? Because oh, we think also have to see board. our industries, our, our, our total market share of the industry is kind of, it's going up a little bit, right? It's not drastically growing. So there, businesses a lot of times shifting and not growing, right? It's, I didn't buy this brand, so I went to Adidas. So what are you seeing that those brands that have pushed good initiatives, good stories are growing in the in the industry um i believe so i'm just i yeah. want to pull up my numbers and i i would say just from 21 to 22 it grew 20 percent um wow yeah and uh minimum of 20 percent. and right now from 22 to 23 year to date 84.5 percent growth 
what is this, Adidas? Just Adidas. So wow. I'm out there telling that story. Like most of my customers are small business, are smaller distributors. You know, I do have a bigger distributor, but I'm out telling that story. And it's not less necessarily like I'm not going there and just writing an order for Adidas. I'm developing the relationship. People are getting yeah. to know me. They're getting to know my want, my needs, my uh, adventures, you know, and they're like, oh, she loves Adidas. Let's do it. Let's push this, you know, or they might like that sustainability story. And I'm just using that as one example, but because Adidas is a brand name. And right now I think we're seeing a lot of the trends go towards brand names. 10 times out of 10, I have nine times out of 10, I have a customer telling me that their customer is asking for high end brands, you know, whether it's a bag, a shirt, a polo, a jacket, they're asking for the brands and we can't get enough of them in fast enough. So I think just being able to tell that story um, does really well. The other things that I've seen um, were the social media campaigns and the influencer marketing that we've done. Go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. I, no, I just, before you sort of segue, I wanted to, sort of have a, a, a pointed question towards that because that kind of contradicts kind of, we just had CJ Schmidt on from hit uh, a mm -hmm. couple episodes ago. And uh, I asked him at the end of the episode, like, you know, what makes people buy hits Stanley versus the actual Stanley, you know? And he basically said, it's all, I mean, it's just, it's price, you know? So, and I feel like that's a large portion of our industry. I mean, when you're comparing apples to apples, it, it's going to come down to price. You're not going to necessarily pay more for a product just because it's got the brand on it. If it's an exact comparable and it's apples to apples, a lot of times Time people out. will go price. Time out. Time out on that. But apparel, apparel is completely different. And you know that because are you going to wear a suit from Value City or are you going to go wear a suit from like Men's Warehouse? I don't know. I'm just using those two things. I don't know. Any. Armani, if you have it, you know, if you're, if that's your style. I would you, never. I mean, Armani, Armani, listen, I don't know. You know what she's asking. Though. I think suits were a really bad example, but like, I feel like people are very specific when it comes to what they're wearing, when they're drinking out of it, or if they're like writing on it. I don't really think like the brand, I mean, the Stanley is very popular. If you look on TikTok, it's the drinkware piece. It is a brand name. Yeah, of course, people are going to go at a knockoff if they can. But I think when it comes to apparel, they want the brand names. I think I it's hard know. to tell from that example, just in general, because they don't carry both. So you can't really measure yeah. one data points being moved over from the other. Cause for a while, Stanley wasn't in their industry at all. And then it was, and from what I can tell, they're going crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's the same with like Yeti, right? Like people it's still will ask for it. And I'm telling them I have the exact same piece, the exact same piece. And it's, it's, you know, third less. No, it's okay if it's $65 laser engraved and I have to send it to three places. And you're going to get some people like that for yeah. sure. And, um, and Meg, I mean, that's why I would kind of argue with that point a little bit. I, I agree that maybe apparel is a little bit different, but I mean, I consider headwear part of apparel, you know, it's a soft good. And, uh, you know, we go up against Richardson 112 all the time, you know, because mm -hmm. that's down South. Like that's all you hear of Richardson 112, Richardson 112. And, um, you know, honestly, like it, as long as you've got a comparable and you provide a price, it's half the price. You know, a lot of times people will go with it. You're going to have, you know, 10 or 20 percent of the people that are just like, no, they're stuck to the brand. That's all they want. It's you know, they want the swoosh or they yeah. want the Richardson or they want, you know, whatever. And, you know, to those people, you know, good, good for you. You know, that's great if that's the decision. But ultimately, you know, if you're providing a comparable, it's apples to apples. Uh, you're just kind of. I think Meg, you might accidentally tied this in a nice little, nice little bow with what you were saying about Adidas. 
if you think about it, because those brands provide you the content and provide relevant marketing for what their brands are, you then have content to then share with somebody. You now have that excuse to use okay. that because if you had none, no content, you're choosing your favorite pieces and walking in and talking about what you like. But now if content's being fed to you and say, hey, I have a really cool story about these new pieces we're launching. Boom. Here's here's a here's a whole video. Here's a cool story about it. Awesome. You're going to turn right around and tell me about that. Right. And so now I'm like, oh, that's neat. Well, let me go look at those pieces. And then I order that. Right. Mm -hmm. So because so that's a like a direct pathway to show how their marketing to you guys, to us, to our customers, you know, that that's working apparently because it's it's stuck with you and then it's stuck with me and then the yep. customer said okay right um there are probably some commodity pieces where that just won't matter you know and but there are some things like you said with certain apparel pieces and certain brands where you're like yeah that hits my customers needs and wants and they're like okay cool pull the trigger so yeah um, no meg i feel like there's a pretty pretty large expense to putting something like that together and since you guys are constantly coming out with those i mean I, I think being able to measure the return on that kind of stuff is pretty important too. I mean, what measures do you guys have in place to be able to measure the return on something like that? Do you know? I mean, we have our whole back end, our CRM, and we can see the sales. I mean, I could just look at it and pull it up by brand, year to date, yearly, monthly. I can see what I'm doing. I can see I have a, a back end. So when I send out that collateral, I can see who opened it, who downloaded it, how long they looked at it. Did they keep going into it? How many times did they go into it? And then, hey, look, do I see those orders coming in? So I guess I can I can measure it that way. I mean, that's I guess that's what it's built for. Like right? the box that you just had there, it had a hoodie in it, like a tie-dye hoodie, right? So yeah. like, are, are you like measuring the sales that you get on that particular hoodie. Or yeah. Well, I think so with the collateral that comes with this, we have it in our back end on high spot so we can send that out. So I think we would only pick items that we would have good inventory in or a good inventory coming in. So we can definitely measure that and we can look on social media. We can look on Instagram through hashtags, through being tagged through different things to see if people are actually using it. I know our marketing department is constantly, um, but they, they'll send out surveys like how, how was the feedback from that? You know, is it something we should keep doing? How would you change it? So they're constantly adapting and, and evolving and trying to create something that's going to be better than the next thing because they don't want to just send out stuff and it not resonate with the customers. It's a, it's a very big expense to do this, a very yeah. big expense. So we really... I think they just try to, instead of just one a month or whatever it was, okay, well, Badger's working with us this year. Let's collaborate. Or I'm sorry, this month. And let's send out, um, you know, a couple pieces that buy a lot of uh, Augusta, for instance, right? We want to attract that customer. So, I mean, there's ways to do it. Um, that's why I'm not in, I'm in sales. I get to just go out and do it and have fun with it. Um, How do you select who gets those kits? I'm sorry. Oh, how do I select? So it depends on the kit itself. So I might only get six for this month. So um, I might go off of what they, I can pull up my accounts by brand, by sales, by style, et cetera. And you I'll put okay, relevant I, stuff so, to the right people. Exactly. So I'm going to make sure that my kits are getting into the right go. people. And then if I need more, I ask for more because I want to make sure that I know the right people will get them. The people that I know will go ahead and, and use them. Um, I was actually at a meeting a couple of weeks ago and I had sent this kit and I asked the team, I was like, have you seen this? And they were like, no. And then the VP was like, oh, yeah, it's on my desk. And I was like, well, that's not working. So I talked to the girl and she was like, send everything to me. So then I went in, resent it, like all the collateral to her and he gave the box to her and then it just blew up. And I'm like... 
I just had to get it in the right person's hand. Right. So the, the last thing I know we want to wrap this up soon. I wanted to talk about were some social media campaigns. Like just for instance, I think the best one that I've seen outside of this industry was the ALS campaign, that water bucket challenge that went so viral. And, it, and I think it was really neat to see and, and create awareness towards ALS. It was something that I wasn't even really familiar with before that. So I think that they did an amazing job. They, they managed to create this viral sensation that raised so much awareness and funds for their campaign and their cause. And it was largely driven by social media. So we take that and we see that and we're like, all right, well, how can we duplicate that? Or how can we take something like that and make it bigger and better? Um, so if you are doing some type of social media campaign and you want it to go viral, like look at those the big um, the big campaigns that have been successful and done well. That was the one that was coming to my mind. Um, and then influencer marketing. Sorry. What are you laughing at, Steven? Don't I was like, me. well, I followed you. And the one that seemed to do really well is when the police came. So I'm going to make sure all my videos have police come. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know, or dancing, some weird dancing. I don't know. Um, and then the influencer marketing. I, you know, you see this on TikTok all the time. But the first time I really saw it in our industry was when Bill Petrie did it when he started Brand of Eight, and wow, that was so much fun. And then I, obviously, as a huge credit, and you know. To him, we used it for a couple of our campaigns for Promotions East, for Promo Cares, and, and they've done so well. And we're doing one right now for the Water for Good campaign. So not only is it raising awareness, it's bringing in funds for our cause. Um, and it's and it really gets our entire industry involved and it's really fun. So think of those two things. You have, you have content marketing, you have SEO, um, user generated content, email marketing, which we touched on, um, experimental marketing and storytelling. Storytelling is my favorite. And I think that's what I do. And I, I'm talking about being authentic, telling a story, find something that resonates with you and, and, and get it out to your customers and, and, you know, be yourself. That's it. Mic drop. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, we, we discussed this at the influencer marketing uh, back when we did the uh, uh, the Dunkin' Donuts stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. With Charlie, whatever her yep. name is. Yeah. That oh, one. yeah, 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 yeah. Charlie D'Amelio. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Her. That's right. We didn't have her on. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> no, it, not, not her. It was uh, my hype video. My hype video, we were talking about her and we brought on Bamco. Was it Jilly? Yeah. 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 So exactly. that's definitely something to look into. Um, all right. Very cool. Do you guys have anything else to, to add to how to stay relevant in your marketing strategies? I think that's it. I mean, nope. it, all right. Yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> it's, it's June 21st. All right. So next Friday, June 30th is since you've mentioned Bill Petrie, the, the whole promo queue uh, for promocation. So if you haven't signed up yet, I don't know if it's too late, but you should probably go. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be there. Meg Gerber, I'm pretty sure you're going to be there too. I should be there. Steve McFadden, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. No? All right. Well, you're just going to miss all the food and fun and drinks and all that good stuff. So. Well, I will have all of that in a place called Disney. So. <laughs> well, yeah. You can you have know, Disney. That's, that's fine. <laughs> um all right fair that. enough well look this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at bell promo they're the home of the 12 piece minimum on everything and they offer simplified pricing one low setup and never repeat setups regardless of the number of colors locations or decoration methods bell promo has the largest inventory of product styles and colors and in top categories like drinkware bags writing instruments and apparel and they offer free setups and uh was one of the 2023 best places to work um so definitely go and check them out and be the reason that someone smiles today bell promo 
www.thepodcastindustry.com. Tell them the Industry Insider sent you. Uh, until next time, guys, we'll be seeing you. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Promo Corner's Industry Insider. For more great content from industry thought leaders, including podcasts, blogs, and videos, visit promocorner.com.